0: Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. Remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, this will be a two-part show. The first part will be Ariel Del Turco, Assistant Director of the Center for Religion and Liberty for the Family Research Council. She's responsible for international religious freedom, policy, and advocacy efforts. And then I will give a few comments and thoughts after we get done talking to Ariel about how we can grow in our love for this country and how we can regain our moral high ground. Ariel, thanks for joining us today.
1: It's great to be with you.
0: You know, we see all the craziness that's going on in Ukraine, and I know you've written a couple blog posts about it, Um, and not so much to focus on the war necessarily or what's going on, but... Really the people that are being affected by it um, you know what are you seeing you know whether firsthand or even through media in terms of how people are dealing with you know this terrible war that's going on in their country that you know they should be not they shouldn't have to deal with
1: yeah, I really think that's the thing that has uh, taken Americans and even the world by surprise. I mean we're used to seeing conflicts, however, we're not used to seeing conflicts in Europe. Um, But we're used to seeing conflicts all around the world. What we're not used to is really seeing the population, average citizens, moms, grandparents, uh, average people rally together and make a unified effort to say, no, we're not all fleeing the country, though many are. We're actually going to stay. We're going to fight. We're going to pitch in. It's not just that Russia is um attacking the Ukrainian military he really has to fight the entire country because the entire country is rising up to fight him. And uh, we've seen that be a a major problem where uh, Putin knows this. He knows he's uh, created a huge problem for himself with the Ukrainian people, and he's actually going after them. Um, So we see accusations of war crimes. Uh, So the inspiring story, even though this is a very tragic situation and really devastating for freedom and for democracy and just for humanity. The inspiring story is the people of Ukraine.
0: They shouldn't have to be dealing with this, but, you know, we live in a world where things happen and, you know, you better have faith and you better have patriotism in your country if you're going to do what they're doing, right? You can look at Zelensky, the president, right? There's heavyweight boxers, there's models. I mean, everybody, not everybody, but a large portion of the population, especially those that are well-known, are standing up and fighting for their country. And it really is uh, an act of courage, but it, it should inspire people, too, shouldn't it?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely and the ukrainian people by and large were not expecting this like they've lived in the shadow of a russian threat for a really long time but they weren't expecting russia to actually invade even then um we heard that the ukrainian people were saying uh weeks and even days leading up to the invasion that like, oh, it's fine. There's definitely not going to be an invasion. Everything's fine. So really overnight, their world just changed. And we're seeing people, even people who would normally not be driven to fight or not even eligible to uh, fight typically in a military. Um, but they're joining. They're just joining the effort. We saw a Ukrainian woman, um, on video telling reporters, I just want to live in my country. That's all. And she's crying, wiping away her tears as she's holding uh, what looks to be like a machine gun of some sort, ready to go fight. So it's really the individuals in Ukraine that are really standing out.
0: I talked to your colleague a few weeks ago, Bob Fu. And when we were talking, I didn't think they were going to invade Ukraine. I thought it was a big bluff. Uh, I, I still think, you know, there's going to be worry about China invading Taiwan and just kind of watching this and figure out what they're going to do. But Unfortunately, I was wrong. And and so were the Ukrainian people. And, you know, one of the interesting things that I've seen is really the Russian people who are standing up and protesting and, you know, dealing with, you know, people coming after them for being against, you know, this this really ugly war that's being created for no real reason.
1: Yeah, that's an amazing story as well. As Americans, we tend to think, oh, protesting is just you go outside uh, a government building and hold a sign. And that's the extent of it. But when you're in Russia, if you're a Russian citizen and you're protesting the Russian government, that's a very big deal because these people know what their government will do to them. They know what they do to dissenters. They know the very real danger that, will happen to you if you protest Russia. And we've seen, I think, over 5,000 at least uh, Russian citizens arrested by the Russian government just for protesting this war. So it's amazing to see them um, step out and do that as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it really is a shame for people on both sides I actually saw and you know you don't know how much is real that you're seeing on social media and really what's coming out but I saw a picture just I think it was today actually uh, of a Russian soldier uh, that was with the Ukrainian people and they were giving him like tea and stuff to eat he was like video his mom from from what you could see. Um, you know nobody wants this war but Putin and it's really a shame that all this loss of life, is because of one person's greed, and it really is. You know, it's sad to see, but it's also encouraging to see from their reaction, isn't it?
1: You're absolutely right. There is a sense that even many of the Russian soldiers were not expecting this; that they might have been told they're going to training. As you said, there's a lot of stories going out there, so it's hard to know exactly what happened, but even some of the messages that Russian soldiers seem to be sending back to parents, they don't want to be there. Just like you said, they don't want to be attacking Ukraine. There are many Russian speakers in Ukraine. Uh, There is like a tie between these countries. So it is really sad to um, see these Russian soldiers forced to really attack uh, their neighbors and uh, communities that they might historically even have a tie with. I think it's tragic all around.
0: And if you're here in the United States, you know, that would be akin to, uh, you know, attacking Canada, right? We have such a good relationship. People come back and forth, I'm sure, especially people who live on the border, have friends and and things. So, you know, it it really is hard to fathom. Um, But, you know, you talk about a story in uh, one of your blogs that I thought was really interesting. And just, you know, going back to the courage piece, right? You talk about a woman who brought a stranger's son across the border just so the father could stay and fight.
1: Yeah, and that it speaks both to the desperation of the situation where a father would trust a stranger, a Ukrainian father, trust another Ukrainian woman who he's never met to take his children across the border to safety. But also it speaks to the courage of of the Ukrainians and the unity that they've demonstrated throughout, that they would trust each other to help each other in a very dire situation. And that the father would stay and not try to avoid his duty of defending his country and really uh, defending his country for his children so that his children can have a future in the country that they've called home.
0: Yeah, I mean, it really is amazing when you see the pictures and the images, right? There's plenty of images of the Ukrainians like uh, going to mass, going to church, praying, singing, you know, all the while while Putin's attacking, you know, their freedom and independence. It really is that faith component that is so important that will help fuel them and, and help them deal with what's happening and what's going to happen.
1: Absolutely. We've seen so many examples on social media and in um, reporting in the news of Ukrainians doing exactly that, of uh, joining together in prayer. We saw a viral video from CNN of uh, Ukrainians praying uh, the day after the invasion started. And it speaks just to the feeling of it, a problem that's bigger than they can control, right? The average Ukrainian has no power uh, alone to stop Putin. They have no control over the situation, that their lives are turned upside down. Uh, they're probably they're made been might have been studying, going to work overnight. All of that changed. And so they're dropping to their knees in prayer. And we're seeing a lot of uh, unity in that. And we're seeing a lot of support from faith communities around the world. Uh, Catholics with ties to Catholic churches in Ukraine, Orthodox churches with ties to Orthodox churches in Ukraine, and Jewish communities—we're really seeing faith communities around the world even rally to support um, the faithful in Ukraine as well.
0: Well, we've seen you know Pope Francis reach out and speak to I think Zelensky and and try to change things. Right, Franklin Graham is you know pledging to help the people and and doing some things. So we really. You know, and and for a country that, you know, when I was looking it up, is, is, you know, over 70 percent Christian, you know, that people would call themselves. um, This has to be make them feel, you know, somewhat better. Obviously, it doesn't fix everything, but to know that their brothers and sisters in Christ are with them, praying for them and and trying to help them by talking to people to try to make a difference.
1: Absolutely. I, I did think what the Pope did was so beautiful and it was good to see Um, just the solidarity with the Ukrainian people. And as you indicated, churches are really on, on the front lines, uh, especially in these small rural communities where, uh, the church might be their main source of, uh, community and, um, resources. So we, we know that churches are on the front lines helping people. And it's also good to see, as you indicated, organizations like Samaritan's Purse or Operation Blessing, these larger Christian organizations from around the world, um, go planning to set up field hospitals there and um, helping refugees on the border in Poland. This is all great to see. And I'm it's so encouraging to see uh, God's people help like this.
0: You know, there was an article uh, this morning that I read um, out of Fox News that said, you know, Russian victory in Ukraine would be complete religious freedom catastrophe, uh, a human rights leader warns. And, th- I mean, that is going to be one of the, the dominoes that fall if Ukraine falls, right? Religious freedom is going to be severely restricted, right? We already see what's happening to the Russian people who are protesting against what's going on. Um, it's going to make, you know, the religious freedom that they have now Uh, really be shackled, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think that's a consequence that a lot of people can forget about. The United States has actually placed Russia on the list of countries of particular concern for religious freedom. Only a handful of countries in the world are bad enough to deserve this designation from the U.S. government. But Russia is one of them. And it's because they've really gone after these smaller faith minority communities even as they've tried to um, bolster Russian identity with the Russian Orthodox Church. Uh, but if you're a smaller uh, religious minority, even a Christian religious minority in Russia, you can be in trouble and you can be targeted by the government. And we've even seen in the uh, small areas of Ukraine that Russia already occupied, uh, Baptists and other uh, Christian minorities encounter a lot of problems in these places. So I totally agree that... If Russia takes control of all of Ukraine or a greater degree of Ukraine, that is really a loss for religious freedom, and uh, it just expands religious oppression, which is devastating to see.
0: Well, you you cover the international scene, and so religious oppression is would not be, you know, something unique just to them, but we see it, you know, whether it's North Africa, I mean, uh, North Korea, Afghanistan, China, I mean, we can go on and on and on. Um, you know, we need to fight for that, because that, again, that is our lifeblood. If we don't have that faith and love for Jesus Christ, and 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 we're being shackled where we can't share it, that's, I mean, that that's a freedom that everyone should have, but everybody doesn't
1: you're absolutely right. And attacks on religious freedom, they're so devastating because they really attack what is core to humanity. They attack your conscience. And it says that you can't live according to what you believe, or you even need to change your beliefs. It's almost an attack on the heart and soul of a person to try to uh, make them believe a certain thing or not believe a certain thing. It's really an egregious uh, violation of human rights that uh, in our increasingly secular culture in America, we can tend to forget the value of, uh, but you're if you're a Christian or um, someone of another faith, just trying to uh, live out your faith and go to church in China or Nigeria or North Korea or any of these other places, uh, you know the value of religious freedom. So I think this is something that's really important to keep in mind in Ukraine and across the world.
0: Well, one of the things, you know, I think people need to get a grasp of, especially here in the United States, because I just again, I just saw this the other day. Uh, You know, a a university is getting rid of uh, Dostoevsky. Right. You can't read his stuff uh, because he's Russian. Right. Let's let's not go. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, the Alexander Solzhenitsyn's of the world. They have a lot of things to say. Right. They were in the gulags. They they've gone through russian oppression so to eliminate everything russian is really silly and it's it it makes no sense so we got to be careful that we don't go too crazy overboard because there's a lot of good things that people have to say coming from russia because they know of the oppression and they have a lot of wisdom that they can give us
1: you're totally right silly is exactly the word to describe this it's a cancel culture uh, run luck, And there's a lot we can learn from Russia. And even if we are treating Russia as an adversary, we need to know what our adversaries are thinking. Russian culture has so much to add, and we've historically recognized this, and we need to complete or continue recognizing it. And even as we've acknowledged in this conversation, the problem isn't all Russian people or even Russian culture. It's Vladimir Putin, this one man who has decided to do a very bad, very dangerous, uh, very detrimental thing in attacking another country and causing so much death and destruction. It's not even necessarily the fault of the Russian people.
0: You know, and, you know, one of the other blogs that, you know, caught my eye is you you really um, talk about how to pray for Ukraine, right? Whether it's the people, it's the wisdom for world leaders, right? Churches and Christian ministries that are going to be able to help on the humanitarian level. Uh, a change of heart for Putin, you know, peace and greater freedom. There are a multitude of things that we could be praying for right now to make a change and hopefully, you know, change somebody's heart and what's going on.
1: You're absolutely right. And this applies around the world. But I often uh, encourage people when they're looking at a situation across the globe that just feels uh, so big, you can't even get a handle on it and you don't even know what to pray Uh, Just imagine yourself in that situation and some of the things you might need. So the prayer request can really be as simple as uh, praying for the protection of the Ukrainian people, praying that those who are afraid would be comforted, uh, praying that they would be their faith would be strengthened. And then in addition to the Ukrainian people, we have an entire world that is scrambling uh, to figure out how they're going to respond to this brutal act of aggression by Russia. We have world leaders who are making decisions that are going to impact not just what's happening today, but what's happening in the future and what the future of Europe's going to look like and how they'll respond to this humanitarian crisis. Uh, there's really no end to the, the prayer requests that likely need to happen and the ways we can um, pray and make a difference on this issue.
0: Well, I think praying for Putin, right, we have to remember people who don't agree with us and even do egregious things, right, are, are created in the image and likeness of our God. And so we need to make sure that we pray for them because they are souls that need to be saved too, right? So we, we, we got to be able to separate the evil acts from the person and pray for that individual that they will have a conversion. So I think it's important that you point that out.
1: Yeah, and I think this is uh, one of the prayer points that's a little harder to swallow for some people for reasons that you indicated, but we've seen examples where Ukrainian Christians are praying for this. They are praying for a change of heart for Putin, and we've seen increasing speculation in the media that uh, Putin is unwell, that he's grown increasingly isolated and is reacting differently than he's reacted in the past, that might have mental health issues, He's clearly a troubled person. He probably always has been. He looks increasingly so now. So this is a very good target for our prayers that he would have a radical change of heart.
0: And I know you need to go. So if you could let people know, how can they follow what you're doing? So we'll go into the next segment and talk about some different things. Um, But I appreciate you coming on. How can people follow what you're doing, Ariel, at the Family Research Council?
1: Yeah, so I work on International Religious Freedom at Family Research Council, and you can follow um, our op-eds and our publications by going to frc.org irf for International Religious Freedom.
0: You know, it's great having Ariel Del Turco on and, and really to see what's going on with the Ukrainian people. And it's, it's good to see the people of the United States who are praying for them and you know really in solidarity with what's going on but you know it does bring to mind you know we've just gone through the last several years of people hating on this country and we see people wearing Ukrainian colors which you know hey great if that's what you want to do why are people afraid to wear the stars and stripes why are people you know, hating on this country, you know, that there's systemic racism going on, right? We have critical race theory that the United States is nothing but bad. We have Black Lives Matter, we have Antifa, we've been trying to get rid of the police. You know, when you look at this country, why don't we take pride in our own country? Why do we have to wait until there's something terrible that goes on around the world or even here, like 9 11, before people stop and think? I mean, people criticize the United States and I get, look, we're not perfect. There's a lot of things we could work on. But where in the world is better than the United States? I think we need to sit back and look at ourselves because what we've done is just criticize probably the greatest country in the world, again, with flaws and flaws that need to be fixed. But we're way too reticent to give the United States any credit, and all we want to do is look at the warts and kind of of paint with a broad brush. And it's it's distasteful. It sounds terrible. Um, Why are we doing that? So I think each of us needs to reflect, especially with what we're reading and what we're seeing, and be able to discern what the heck is going on here. Do we love the country we live in? Now, again, there's many things that could be fixed. Can't argue with that. But there's many good things, too. And we need to start loving this country and appreciating this country. And I think, again, praying for the people of Ukraine or the people of China or wherever atrocities are happening is great. But for us to stand up and and thump our chests, when we don't even love our own country, and I'm talking more of our government leaders, it really is sad to see, and it's embarrassing. Right? We have lost our moral compass. Right? We used to think we had the moral foundation, the moral highland, where we could tell people what they should be doing and why they should be doing it. We have fallen into this moral relativism this really religion of politics, this woke religion, where we have lost all sense of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've lost all sense of who we are and how we came into this world. Just think about it. We're we're pushing gender ideology on young children, trying to have sex change operations and feeding them uh, puberty-blocking drugs and and hormones. We... Are a country that kills millions of children, right? A million children a year, and that may be a conservative estimate. In abortion, we push youth in Asia. Right? We call our parents who defend our kids in school domestic terrorists. Right? We had our government was supporting Canada in its abusive crackdown on the truckers. Right? We have an assault on Christianity almost every week. Somewhere in the United States, we see another church being desecrated, another Christian church being desecrated. We have given up, for some reason, our moral compass. And we have aligned ourselves with the worldly views that are so prevalent in what we see each and every day. So we've given up our moral high ground. We don't have the right to tell any country what they should do. And we need to look in the mirror and say, this is what we need to fix. This is what made this country even greater than it is today. And we, and we are on the decline. There's no doubt about that, but not for the reasons that everyone keeps telling us. It's not because we're systemically racist. Is there racism? Sure. But is it a systemic problem? No, it is not. Right. We just constantly devolve into these ridiculous lines, these ridiculous frames of thought for no other reason than to degrade a country and really to try to attack religion. we talked about religious freedom with Ariel, right? It's, It's not great here in the United States. Sure, we can do a lot of things that other countries can't, but we have a government that wants to push hate speech. We have lost our minds and we need to get back to the Judeo-Christian roots that this country was built upon. Until we come and grow in our love for Jesus Christ and grow in our faith, we are going to continue, the collective we, right, to move closer to hell and that will be what we deserve if we don't turn things around. Right? We know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. For us to decide that we are our own gods, and we are going to decide what is right and what is wrong, and we are going to decide how we act and what we say, and then think there's not going to be consequences for that, is crazy. We should know better. We can see what's going on, again, in Ukraine and different parts of the world, and we want to pray for them. That is great, but we need to pray for this country, too. We need to pray for this country that it will get its moral compass back. It will defend life from conception through natural death. It will defend those who are struggling mentally with who they are and how they were created. Not just acquiescing and letting a six-year-old decide whether they're a boy or a girl. It makes no sense whatsoever. So until we get our feet back under us, and those feet are our faith and our love for Jesus, then we are going to continue to struggle. We're going to continue to deal with groups that hate the United States. And no one will stand up to defend us or defend our religious freedom because they're afraid of the mob. Look, the mob is a bunch of cowards who like to bully people with words. Let us pray for them. Let us pray for our country. Let us pray for our world. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.